0: Welcome home. I'm John Hernandez, and you have tuned in to the CFA Church podcast. If you have any questions about CFA Church, feel free to visit us at cfachurch.com. We pray that you would walk away from this moment loving Jesus and changing the world. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning. I just leaned over to your pastor and said, lower your expectations. Lower your expectations. I love this church. I'm grateful to be back talking about the family and when I make this statement if you're a parent and you agree with it you can give out a strong amen or just a mmm the days go slow but the years go fast mm. I want to talk to you this morning about the heart of the family and I want to start by taking you to where my heart <laughs> Can't believe it. I, I share the story I don't know how many times it still gets me every time where my heart was poured into uh, by my grandma Mary Jane. This is her front porch. Uh, in Naperville, Illinois, is where I was born. This house that is no longer standing, it was torn down in November over 122 years old, this, my grandma would sit on this front porch and pour into me. My grandma didn't like TV. She never watched TV. Uh, she passed away at the age of 90. But she would sit on this front porch and wave down every single neighbor that walked by. She's, you didn't walk by her house without stopping and having a conversation. Uh, I had a fluffy grandma, if you know what I'm talking about. She was she's a good-sized lady. And I remember in her 70s, the story, someone, uh, the doctor wrote down on her chart the word obese, and she made the doctor cross off the word obese and write the words little chubby uh, (laughs) on that doctor's chart. So much of how I live my life today were the words that were spoken into me on that front porch. And... I'm sad today that uh, we don't see front porches built on homes as much anymore. (laughs) We're not waving down our neighbors as much as past generations did and slowing down. The days go slow, but the years go fast. I want to talk about the heart today, but I also want to talk about the time that we have to pour into the hearts of our children. I'm one dad who is obsessed with the hearts of my children more than their behavior. I'm more obsessed with the hearts of my children than I am their grades. Let me say that again. Their grades don't mean as much to me as their hearts. And here in May, all the students said, amen. (laughs) Mom, did you hear that? I want you to focus on my heart. Stay focused on my heart as that report card comes in. As finals take place, Dad, don't think about my grades. Think about my heart. I took my kids to my grandma's house a few years back, and I, grandma still owned it. And it's in a part of town that they're, they're renovating. They're stepping it up. And we pulled into my grandma's driveway, and I went to get the key. I wanted to take my kids through this 800-square-foot home uh, to tell them all the messages. And kids, what I'm pouring into you, your great-grandma poured into me. And I'm passionate about generational discipleship. And I pulled in with our rental car, because we live in Branson, Missouri. As I pulled in with our rental car, I was talking to the kids about the front porch. But they couldn't stop looking uh, at my grandma's neighbor's house. I want to show you my grandma's neighbor's house. Uh, Go ahead and put them side by side. I'm not making any of this up right there. That's a... And I said, kids, pay attention. Dad, we'd like to take a tour of the other house. And I said, let me tell you the difference. The house on the left is paid for and has been for 60 years. The one on the right, there's a guy on the back porch smoking, trying to figure out how he's going to make the next mortgage payment. The difference between the front porch and the back porch. As we talk today, I. I, I, years ago when our kids were about seven and nine, they're soon to be 13 and 15, I asked the Lord, give me an illustration so I can teach my kids about their hearts. Uh, But I want them to really grasp this early on. And, and I feel the Lord gave me this years ago and I've used it with my kids ever since. And I'm hoping at the end of this morning, you're going to invest $5 into your home to get the same illustration going. Whatever age you find your children now, whether they're small or soon to be leaving the home, it's time to start this illustration to teach your kids about the heart. Teach your kids about the heart of your family. And I I would walk into the family room and, you know, Corinne and Carson would be squabbling as siblings do at seven and nine. I'd be like, all right, what's going on? Right? I, I had a dad that would walk into my brother and I fighting and be like, work it out. That meant you don't want me involved. Dad involves the last option, work it out. But I'd walk in, Corrine, Carson, what's going on? Well, she started it. Well, he licked me first. (laughs) I said, all right, I got it. Okay, cut Into the kitchen. And they got so used to this illustration, under the sink in our kitchen, I keep a $5 banquet jug. And you can get this at any restaurant supply store here in the greater Charlotte area, But I keep it under the sink. When this comes out, the kids are like, oh, no. A lecture is on the way. And I set it out. They so dread the lecture. Once my son asked me, and that's a true story, I pulled it out maybe the fourth or fifth time to give the the little sermon to him in the middle of the day. And my my son goes, Dad, would you please give us a spanking instead? (laughs) That's when you know you got a good lecture as a parent, when they'd rather have a spanking. I said, nope, love jug is out, lecture begins. Because that's what we call this in our home. It's called the love jug. And I go, Carson, what is this? I'm going to do this just as I would do this with Carson. Carson, what is this? It's the love jug. (laughs) I go, Carson, what does this represent? It represents my heart. Carson, who's in charge of your heart? I am in charge of my heart. That's right, you're responsible for it. How much are you responsible for your heart? I am 100% responsible for my heart. How much is your sissy responsible for your heart? She is 0% responsible for my heart. That's right. And we would quote, Proverbs 4.23, as a family. I encourage every family to memorize this verse. Put it on your refrigerator. It's one of three word pictures that we're going to look at today going into the parenting luncheon later. But the first, my favorite word picture from Proverbs about the heart is a wellspring. Today we're going to look at the wellspring, the tablet, and the deep waters of the heart. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Okay, in other words... Everything you say and do flows from your heart. This is why as a parent, I'm obsessed with my child's heart, not their behavior. When they say or do something, I want to find out what is driving that. Remember, our parents used to say this all the time. What were you thinking? (laughs) We do something crazy. We risk our lives. Where did you get that idea? That's really a parent saying, I got to figure out what was in your wellspring that caused you to do that. Because we may need some rewiring here. We may need to take a few moments and reteach something that maybe you picked up from somewhere. Maybe at school or in the neighborhood. But that's not what we believe. Let's make sure we fix that. And I go over to the sink and I grab the hose and I start filling it up. Like this one is all the way to the top. Good job, guys. When I said fill it up, I, you, you went to the top. I usually give it a little more wiggle room. Uh, I fill it up. I go, Carson, what is this? He goes, it it represents God's love. That's right. Why as a family do we memorize scripture together? At the time, we were memorizing Philippians 1 when we got this whole illustration started years ago. Why do we pray together as a family? And I mean go around the family and each one of us take time. I'm not talking just mealtime prayer. Lord, thank you for this food. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm talking we come before the Lord as a family. Why do we do devotions every day? Why do we go through this? Because we want to be as full of God's love as possible. We want a wellspring that is healthy and full of the Lord, period. That's why we're as full as possible. I want to send you kids out of this home as full as possible. Now, this is where the illustration really gets fun. You go over to the cupboard, and you just pull out all different shapes and sizes of glasses. And these represent the people in your life that you're going to be pouring into throughout the day. And so this is Ted Cunningham's love joke, the leader of my family. I, Amy and I have made the decision in our marriage to give one another choice overflow. That's what we call it, the choice overflow. We don't wanna give one another leftovers. Too many couples do that. They go and they pour into everybody else, they pour into work, they pour into coworkers and clients and all of that, and they don't leave enough for each other. So we've just made the decision, let's start with one another. We wanna pour into each other first, okay? Now, I grew up in an independent fundamental premillennial King James Version only church. (laughs) This is not an approved glass right here. I want everybody to know that right now. I asked Pastor Doug if I could borrow one from his house, so he brought that to me. He said, make sure I get it back. I don't want to lose my set. All right, I'm like, all right. He can correct all that next week. Okay, I'm pouring into Amy. We've decided we're not going to give one another the leftovers. Anybody here single but planning on getting married? Let me just see your hands. All right. All right. Mom, you don't need to do... Oh, she's like, oh, this is... Let me finish what I got going on here. She's giving me a whole little deal. Have them talk about it. (laughs) The mistake you could make is to think, I need to find someone who will pour into me. Movies call it, you complete me. I'm, there's something missing in my life. I just need to find the right person that will pour into me. And then after you get married, you're like, well, that wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be and isn't quite what I thought it wasn't doing what I thought it would do. And so we need to have kids because we think when we have children, oh, they'll fill us up. (laughs) And then you find out real quick, nothing sucks the life out of you faster (laughs) Than a child and all the parents said Amen. nothing sucks the life out of you like a child for I have seen the enemy and they are small 15 years ago we had Corinne May and listen I read all the parenting books and I was I was ready Corinne was an easy firstborn child raise your hand if you had an easy firstborn child yeah How many of you took credit for the easy firstborn child? Raise your hand. Yeah. How does God solve that cocky attitude in you? He gives you child number two. And child number two comes out. (sighs) You're like, what happened? But we had Corinne. Corinne was so easy to pour into. Super easy to pour into. We were we were getting so cocky as parents. We're like, we're we're awesome parents. We should bless the earth with more of our children. <laughs> and then then we had our second and said the earth has plenty of children. <laughs> Corinne's my outdoor girl. She's just passionate about anything that moves out in nature and spending time with nature she loves sewing and knitting and crocheting I hope that never leaves her that takes me back to grandma's front porch a little bit Carson's my outdoor guy man versus wild bear grills I mean this guy he told me a couple years ago he goes dad we're free this week and let's just me and you go into the woods with nothing but a knife and a canteen Just survive overnight. Do I scream survivalist to you? Have you? you I was here laughing. I'm not screaming survive. I ain't no Bear Grylls. But we did. Because I love pouring into my son. We went into the woods with nothing but a knife and a canteen and we survived. What he didn't know is we were surviving in the woods right behind Cracker Barrel. But we got through the whole thing. Okay, we got through the whole thing. Can I just make an observation as we talk about the heart of the family today? i poured out half and it's my immediate family. I, I don't have a, a formula for you, but I think this is pretty close to what it should be. My family should be getting my best, n- not my leftovers. They should, I should be pointing them. My dad and mom, they live two streets over, and here they are. And, and uh, my dad retired 18 years ago as an engineer, and for the last 18 years, he has watched Fox News 24 hours a day, seven days a week. <laughs> to which I walk in the house at, you know, wanting to pour into him. I'm like, hey, hey, Dad, how's it going? To which he responds, well, we're going to hell in a handbasket. That's how it's going. There ain't going to be nothing left for you kids. Man, remember when you all had that bathroom thing going on here? Yeah, and he would keep me informed on that. And I'm not here in North Carolina to get into all your business with the bathrooms. But like I was telling the women in the restroom earlier... I said, I, I worry about y'all. There's a lot of perverts out there. you got to be careful. <laughs> I had to throw the North Carolina joke. I only use that joke in North Carolina, so thank you, North Carolina, for doing that. But I, poor, And I told my dad, I said, Dad, you cannot watch the news cycle repeat every 30 minutes all day long and be any sort of happy at the end of a day. And look at everybody that's been enjoying it so far, I just hit the Fox News people, and they went... Ugh. I'm not mad. I'm informed. No, you're not. You're mad. (laughs) You become an angry person. Because, listen, do you remember years ago, our parents used to watch the news, and the news was about finding out what was going on in the world. Now you turn on the news to figure out what you should be mad about today. And you can't. I told my dad, you've got to start watching more Joel Osteen. You can't be sad all day. I need you to mix it up from sad to happy, sad, happy. You got to mix it up. Every time you turn on the 24-hour news cycle, whatever your channel may be, this is the only sound I want you to hear. It's draining you. It's not filling you. And if I can just say something to my young, younger friends in here, same thing with social media. Social media... Listen, home was the place that we used to retreat to for the purpose of being filled. We would fill ourselves, we would we'd find rest, we'd rejuvenate, we'd refresh, we'd refill, whatever R word you want to use, physically, relationally, emotionally, spiritually. The Shulamite woman in the Song of Solomon calls that En Their home became a lush desert oasis. That's where we're supposed to retreat to, to be full. But we go home now and we stay connected to the world. And just whatever few minutes of the day you have left to be refreshed, you'll compare your normal life to the highlight reels of everyone else's life. And it drains the life out of you. My mom, she's easy to pour into. She just wants me connected to the family. That's it. I can pour into my mom easily. And I love pouring into my parents who live two streets over. This little shot glass here represents my (laughs) mother-in-law. You don't want to give her too much. That's what I've... (laughs) Linda Freitag wants you to know that's a punchline. She goes, you make sure everybody you share that funny joke with all around the country that I'm a party on wheels. Okay, so she's a party on wheels. I haven't even been to work yet. And everybody in here can think of one person at work that sucks the life right out of you. Raise your hand if that person's in your mind right now. (laughs) Now I'm almost empty. Now my kids, remember this started with them blaming each other and fighting and fussing with each other, our home exhausted and drained. They never really got at seven and nine the textbook definition of codependency. And the textbook definition of codependency is excessive emotional reliance. Okay, it's when people become clingy. They're wanting something from you that you're not meant to give them. Okay, Uh, Gary Smalley's definition, I'll throw it up on the screen, is my favorite definition of codependency. And it's just plugging into people, places, and things as the source of life. People, places, things. They're not your source of life. This illustration, though, they got. They couldn't even get really that one at, at seven and nine, but this they got. This illustration teaches codependency. Codependency is pouring into all of these people, sitting around with an empty heart or an empty love jug, and waiting for them to pour back into you. That's a miserable way to live. And some of you right now are exhausted in your relationships Some of you right now are drained in your marriage. Your family has no energy. You can't figure out what's going on. I submit to you this morning that maybe it's because you're plugged into each other as the source of life. And that's what's wearing you out. And the best thing that you can do today is fire one another as the source of life. You know the problem with all these people here, as much as I enjoy pouring into them? All of these people here are limited supplies. And when you plug in, the businessmen and women in here will tell you, when you plug in to limited supply, right, it raises the price. It drives the price higher because we want it even more. Do you remember the morning we woke up to the dreaded news, Twinkies went bankrupt? Does anybody remember that? That was a rough day. We were fine. He hadn't had a Twinkie in 10 years. But the thought of never being able to get one again freaked us out. I found myself everywhere I went, the last remaining supply of Twinkies ended up in my trunk. <laughs> and he's like, why are you buying Twinkies? They're going out. They're done. I just said, ah, I got, that's what, that's what you do when you're plugged into a limited supply. You're like, ah, or you're at home. Everything's fine. You get a knock on the door. A man comes to the door. He's in an orange vest and he's got a hard hat on and he says, yeah, we're doing some construction down the street. We need to turn the water off for an hour. You were fine. You weren't thirsty until he said, we're turning the water off. And then you're, I'm thirsty. Fill up the sinks. Fill up the tubs. We've got to get after this. It makes you desperate. The best thing you can do is fire all these people as your source of life. You want to know what the worst marriage on the planet is? The absolute worst marriage on the planet, a husband and wife connected to each other as the source of life. That's a miserable marriage. Honey, I just said the thing I know you like to hear. I just did the thing I know you like me to do. When am I going to get a little something something coming back? That's a terrible marriage. You want to know what the best marriage on the planet is? A husband and wife firing each other as the source of life, plugging into the true and only source of life, and spending their days giving each other the overflow. That's a great marriage. But there's a marriage that I call the in-between marriage, the marriage where maybe only one spouse wants to do that. I hear it all the time. It's the question I'm asked more than anything with this illustration. What if my husband doesn't want to do this? (laughs) Sir? (laughs) Sir? Sir, I was trying to go to a special moment right there. That was leading into more of an altar call type moment. But you went the comedy route. And with me, I can go either way. So let's go. You just meet me. You come down after the message. I'm going to meet with you. And here, this comes from the heart of a pastor who loves you. Okay, You don't have to wait for your spouse to fire you as a source of life. You beat them to it. You fire your spouse, believing or non-believing. Your husband, your wife, they're Christian, they're not Christian. You start by not looking to them as your source. You plug into the true and only source of life. And as 1 Peter chapter 3 says, let your gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight, let that be an influence to your unbelieving husband. Don't wait. Well, uh, He's plugged into me, so I'm going to say plugged in. No. Fire him as your source of life. We're going to be talking about this a lot this afternoon at the parenting luncheon, but what about the parents who plug into their children as the source of life? Oh, we have fallen for this faulty input-output theory of parenting that says whatever I pour into my child is what I will get out of my child. And there's a Hebrew term for that. The Hebrew term is, ha! <laughs> in the Greek, it's baloney. <laughs> Just not true. But we believe, and we're gonna look at seven, I said, we're looking at seven, you know, I'm from Missouri, I'm not from the, uh, we're gonna look today at seven parenting motives that flow right out of that faulty input-output theory of parenting. So we can do a gut check as parents. I don't want my children to see me as their source of life. And I don't want to see my children as my source of life. I want to point them to the true and only source of life. I want my day to be spent doing that. This is why I want to take you to Deuteronomy chapter 6. I love Deuteronomy chapter 6. And if you're taking notes, there's, there's so much to unpack in this. We could spend a lot of time with it. But chapter 6, verse 4, says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. An easy way to remember this verse is to know there are four truths in verse 4. Okay, and here they are. There is a God. There is only one God. He is the Lord. He is our Lord. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And then verse 5 says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Now watch this. I love how the love jug and the heart comes into this passage. Okay, Verse 6 says, talking to us as parents, these truths are to be upon your hearts. What's to be in your heart, mom and dad? There is a God. There's only one God. He is the Lord. He is our Lord. And I will love the Lord with all of my heart, soul, and strength. They're to be upon my heart. Because then verse 7 says, impress them upon your children. We know this about children. They see everything we do. They hear everything we say. They forget nothing. And then they repeat. (laughs) They're seeing what's in your heart every single day. Why? Because this is your wellspring. Everything you say and do flows out of here. They're they're getting it. They're seeing it. They're taking it. You're writing, as we'll see today in the parenting luncheon, the idea that the heart is also a tablet. Every day you're writing messages on the heart of your child. Mom and dad, you're the primary author of your child's heart. Be the one writing the messages on it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God. These truths are to be upon your hearts. And then verse 7, I love this, says, impress them upon your children. How do you do that? You do that because you talk about them. From the time you get up to the time you go to sleep at night, the scripture says, when you sit at home, when you walk along the road... You're constantly pouring into your children. This is is how mom and dad point their kids to the true and only source of life rather than becoming the true and only source of life. So it's something we say in our home all the time, and it's this simple. My source of life is Jesus, not you. That That is our solution to codependency in our home. When our home is exhausted, when our home is draining, and when we find ourselves blaming one another as the source of life, right, we fire one another as the source, and and for some of you, you've never made Jesus your source of life, and I hope in the moment when you have an opportunity to make Jesus the source of life, you allow the Holy Spirit to call you by name, and you place faith in Jesus, and you become a Christian today. For some of you, you profess faith in Jesus, and you're a Christian, but... You often throughout the day, you're not going through what it takes to fill you. And so you forget and you fall into the trap that these people, places or things, become your source. They're never meant to be your source. I, uh, I have a face that screams retail. I don't, I don't know why. I get asked all the time in stores and restaurants, Excuse me, do you work here? I'm so tired of being asked that question, I don't even fight it anymore, I just go with it. How may I help you, is my standard answer. And I was at our favorite restaurant with uh, our family a few years back, and I, I, was, I got up to use the restroom, it's called Sugar Leaf, I got up to use the restroom, and I noticed this couple in their 70s, that were pretty frustrated, I could tell they were frustrated, and I, I'm walking to the restroom and I go, oh, okay, I got, wow, I burned 80 calories during worship, can you believe that? That's how. Fired up, you got me worshiping today. I think I burned 40 just listening to you. Uh, But I got up, I go over to this senior couple, and I'm like, I said, "Uh, how was everything? And he said, got to be honest with you, we're pretty frustrated. I "Mm." I said, I hate to hear that. I said, what seems to be the problem? Well, your sign outside said Bratwurst, and we stood in line for 20 minutes waiting for Bratwurst. We get to the front. You're out of bratwurst. Well, first of all, I'm going to pause the story real quick to say I can't wait till I get to the point in my life where the biggest issue of my day, (laughs) like I got bigger fish to fry, don't you? I mean, I deal with some pretty heavy stuff. A a restaurant being out of bratwurst—that's pretty low on my stress list right now. And but seniors are going—he needs to take this more seriously. (laughs) I said, I go, sir. I hate to hear that. What can we do to make this right? And it starts to change his attitude. Completely begins to change his attitude. I said, sir, what if I get you a piece of pie? Now, I pastored in Branson, Missouri. We have millions of senior adults come to our town a year. And I'm here to tell you, this is what I've learned in 16 years with senior adults. Pie changes lives. (laughs) You can change any attitude with pie. I said, sir, what if I get you a piece of pie? He said, well, thank you very much. So I go, I stand in line, I buy him a piece of pie, I bring it back, I put it on his table. He starts asking me questions about the restaurant. And I'm like, hey, 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 oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't work here. (laughs) That's my family over there. And my whole family waves from across the restaurant. I get back to the table, I'm fired up. I can't even begin to explain to you how fired up I am. It's like a drug coursing through my body. I hit the table and go, Kids, did you see that? That was incredible. That was, that was fun. This should be our new hobby. <laughs> and can I encourage you, you want to get started with this illustration and you don't want to invest the five bucks? Some of you, how many of you are going out to eat after this service? Raise your hand if you're going out to eat. Oh, that's a good-looking family right there. Are you all three going out to eat? I want you to stop by the bus station, okay, in that restaurant, pick up the water pitcher, and just start walking around the restaurant (laughs) filling up empty waters. Will you do that? You're nodding at me. Do it, because at first, the wait staff will be like, what is going on? But after about two minutes, they're like, smoke break, and they're out the back door. (laughs) They'll let you do it. And you'll do it and something will be going on in you, and you'll be like, man, what was that? Why is that, why is that such a charge? You know why? Because you're doing something that you were meant, you were created to do, and that is serving people with zero expectations of anything in return. Man, that's why it's a drug. Jesus said the Son of Man came to serve, not be served. And I'm here to tell you, when you begin pouring into people expecting nothing in return, everything about your life and relationships will change. It'll it'll fire you up. It'll make you want to do it more. Zero expectations. But, But we get stuck. We get stuck. We say, I poured into them. Now I'm waiting for them to pour back into me. The freedom of pouring into people expecting nothing in return is going to set you on a course. It's going to change everything about your relationship. I'll give you a couple of examples of this. Have you ever had anybody leave this church mad? Just go ahead and raise your hand if you know of it. No, don't raise your hand. (laughs) You know what i found with a lot of people who go to church? I've discovered that one of the main reasons they leave church is because they served and they gave with massive expectations. And when those expectations weren't met, I'm out of here. Gary Smalley, years ago, when we started Woodland Hills Family Church, 16 years ago, he wanted to put on our guest card. We had, you know, everybody has a welcome card. You all have a welcome card. He wanted to, you know, you put your name, you put your address, you put your birth dates, your children's names, your children's birth dates, and then, you know, how'd you find out about us? Or you want a follow-up call from a pastor? He wanted a box on there that said, I have unresolved anger. <laughs> that was an awkward elders meeting, because I'm like, Gary, I don't think we should be asking first-time guests to check a box. I've got unresolved anger. He said, well, we need him to do it. And this was his heart. And this is what I love, and this is why we need to be leaning into our senior adults, those who have understood this principle for a long time. He would stand up and he'd say, hey, listen, if you're coming here mad from another church, uh, I want you to do us, all of us a favor, including yourself, go back to that church and make every effort at peace. The problem is if you left there angry because your expectations weren't being met and you served and you gave and it wasn't you're you're now coming here not resolving that you're going to love this place. You're going to love our pastor for 6, 12, 24, 36 months. But then eventually you'll probably end up hating us more. Because we're not the issue. The issue is found right here. He said, you go and make every effort at peace. And that may be some of you this morning. Some of you are like, I don't know why this marriage is not working out. I don't know why my second marriage is turning out like my first. This isn't trying to be profound, but it always makes sense to me. Wherever you go, there you are. Because you've, you've fallen for the idea that, you know what? She no longer, he no longer is pouring into me. I'm not getting what I need here. So instead of, instead of staying and reconciling and working through, firing them as the source of life, I'm going to find a new source of life. So we go find a new spouse. And, and listen, And I, Gary always put these numbers on it, and I was always encouraged by this. He said, you'll stay there, and, and you'll be okay plugged into them for 6, 12, 24, 36 months. He was convinced you couldn't do it longer than three years without some sort of explosion taking place. My source of life is Jesus, not you. When I baptized my children, both Corinne and Carson, when they came up out of the water, I whispered in their ears, Jesus is your source of life, not me. I don't want you to look to me as the source of your life. For some of you... The reason you're not moving forward in relationships is because you're still connected to your parents. You've been out of the house for 10 years, but you've never, you've left home physically, maybe even geographically, but you have not left home relationally or emotionally. And you're still looking to a mom or a dad as your source of life. You're called to honor your parents. It is a biblical command, but you're not called to turn your parents into your source of life. And some of you have connected to mom and dad with anger, You're angry with the way they have raised you. You're angry with what they did to you. Today, I encourage you to fire your parents as your source of life and plug into the true and only source of life. Some of you in here, it's your work. Let your work be a source of income, but don't let it be your source of life. I had the opportunity to share this message with all the Chick-fil-A owner-operators in the country. And as I shared this message, you know, we're laughing about the mother-in-law and the independent fund, we're having a good time with it all. And when I said, hey, don't ever let Chick-fil-A become your source of life. You know Chick-fil-A, the Christian chicken. I don't know why we think it's fried chicken, my friends. It's fried chicken, but it's Christian fried chicken, so it's, it's better for us. I told them, and they're laughing, laughing, laughing when I said, let Chick-fil-A be a source of income, but don't let it be your source of life. And they're like, oh. I love what Pastor Andy Stanley says. It's, and I, I remind myself of this every day when I get around somebody that's not easy to pour into. And you know who I'm talking about. My job is not to fill you up. My job is to empty myself. My job as a dad, right? is to have a love for the Lord upon my heart, right? And then to spend my days with my words, my actions, pouring out onto the hearts of my children because they're watching and they're listening. They're remembering, they're forgetting nothing and then they're repeating. We don't have a front porch that we sit on at our home. We have a newer house, Uh, but every car ride, every time we get to spend around the table, Uh, We spend speaking it speaking into our children and into their hearts about the Lord The takeaway for today and my encouragement for you today, we're gonna in the parenting luncheon today We're gonna look at a family constitution Ten things that I want my children to leave home with written on their heart because I do want my kids to leave home one day I tell them all the time love you welcome to addition, but you're out of here But here's what I want to make sure is on your heart before you leave for some of you today you're dealing with a marriage And your takeaway is firing your spouse as the source of life and plugging into the true and only source of life. For some, it's a child you're plugged into, and you've allowed that child to become the center of your home. And today, you need to reestablish your home with Jesus at the center, the priority relationship in that home being your marriage. And then after that, allowing your relationship with the Lord that's on your heart and your relationship with your spouse to pour into your children, not placing the children at the center. For many of you that use attributes and accomplishments of your children to try to impress other people, that ends today because your children are not your source of life. Jesus is your source of life. For some, some are graduating, and you've been clinging to mom and dad, looking to them for everything. And as you're getting ready to leave the nest, what a great time around graduation for you to begin quoting, my source of life is Jesus, not you. And pay the cell bill. (laughs) But it's time for you to take ownership of that. For some of you, it's been your parents. For some of you, it's been a mother-in-law or a father-in-law that you've just been too connected to. You've allowed them to be your source. Today, they're no longer your source. Jesus is your source. For some, it's your work or it's a coworker. They're taking way too much of your emotional energy. Fire them today as your source of life. For those who this is your first time ever hearing about Jesus being the source of life, He's the bread of life. He's living water. And this is my favorite illustration. He's unlimited free refills. You don't ever have to worry about running out. You just have to make it your your goal in life, your aim in life to stay connected to the true and only source of life, to be filled so that you have something to pour into others expecting nothing in return, knowing that He's your source. Thank you so much for joining us. Here at CFA Church, it is our deepest hope that you have found the place that you can call home. For more information about this community or to find out how you can connect, simply head over to cfachurch.com where you can plan a visit right from the website. It is our prayer that you will continue to love Jesus and change the world. God bless you.